Welcome to the Wise Crone Cottage Podcast with storyteller Kathy Shimpock. Here we'll meet the crone and uncover her wisdom as found in fairy tales, folk tales, and myths. For it is true that stories, as it is with many people, become better as they grow older. Know that no matter how difficult your journey has been through the magical forest, the wise crone always opens her door to you. In this episode, I'll read the story of Old Rink Rank. It's a grim brother's tale with a surprise ending. We'll discuss the innocent persecuted heroine and how her journey differs from the traditional hero's journey tales. Where is the wise crone in this story? I can't wait to tell you. A great while ago, when the world was full of wonders. I must confess, I love reading the blogs from the storytellers, folklorists, and writers who discuss these old stories. For each of the stories I share at the Wise Crone Cottage, I seek out the wisdom of these bloggers and of academic folklorists, too. Sometimes I learn something unexpected. Sometimes I discover a new way to approach these tales. But occasionally I disagree and just can't understand how the story could ever be seen that way. This episode is no exception, and that's really the joy of my work. Stories can be seen from many different perspectives and from different orientations of time and culture. They are metaphors, after all. So before we begin our discussion, I'd like to give a shout-out to Catherine Langrish, Terry Windling, and others. One of these others is the storyteller Richard Martin, who shared his knowledge of Old German with his readers, which is quite helpful in understanding the story of Old Rinkrank. Old Rinkrank is classified as an AT tale type 530, Princess on the Glass Hill. That tells us the essential common element of this story. And there are many stories in which we find a princess on a glass hill. Some writers believe that the story was inspired by the Norse myth of Hindar for Jarl, in which the beautiful Brian Hildar lived on an unclimbable mountain. Others think that it was derived from a 16th century Egyptian story, the tale of the predestined or doomed prince. In this story, a baby prince was destined to die. The king sought to protect his son by building him an isolated palace in the mountains to keep him safe. It's a flashback to Sleeping Beauty, perhaps. In the Norse tale, The Princess on the Glass Hill, the king decides that the princess should not marry. To ensure that, he comes up with a difficult task. The princess is placed on the top of a glass mountain. Her suitors must be able to climb to the top to win her hand. And so, the princess sits alone on the mountain with three golden apples. She throws an apple to a knight to show her favor. The knight keeps climbing and ultimately makes it to the top. When he produces the three golden apples to the king, they are allowed to marry. A similar story with the same name 
The Princess on the Glass Hill, is recorded in Andrew Lang's The Blue Fairy Book. In this story, the third and youngest son captures three horses in an act of bravery. The horses and the knight's armor carried with them allows him to easily climb to the top of the mountain where the princess sits. In a Cinderella twist, the king searches the land for the worthy knight. A dirty young man unexpectedly pulls the golden apples from his pocket to become the princess's husband. A common motif in most of these stories are knights competing with rivals or potential suitors in a challenge that requires the hero to climb high to reach the princess. These are hero's journey tales rather than the story of the princess. She plays a very minor role after all. The story of Old Rink Rank is different. The prince or suitor has only a cameo role in this tale. The story itself is grim number 196. It did not appear in their book until the sixth edition was published in 1850. It was found written in the West German Frisian dialect. As you will see, this story has all the elements of the previous narratives, a king, princess, suitor, and a glassy mountain. But the introduction of all rink rank into the mix shifts the trajectory of the story from a hero's journey to that of an innocent, persecuted heroine. Some might even say that it becomes a heroine's journey, too. Who is the innocent, persecuted heroine in folk tales? Stephen Swan Jones writes about them in his article, The Innocent, Persecuted Heroine Genre, an analysis of its structure and themes. Jones describes three essential parts to these stories and I invite the listener to identify each when I read the story to you. The first concerns the heroine's family and home life. She is often the victim of some dysfunction, jealous ambition, or overprotective family members. The second is about the heroine meeting and acquiring a mate and the obstacles that block their marriage. The third shows the heroine facing difficulties in her husband's home, where she is the victim of persecution. Not every one of these stories matches each element, and some take unexpected twists and turns. This tale is no exception, and I'll read it to you now. But now, a story. Not in my time, not in your time, but in the wise crone's time. There was once on a time a king who had a daughter, and he caused a glass mountain to be made, and said that whosoever could cross to the other side of it without falling should have his daughter to wife. Then there was one who loved the king's daughter, and he asked the king if he might have her. Yes, said the king, if you can cross the mountain without falling— you shall have her. And the princess said she would go over it with him and would hold him if he were about to fall. So they set out together to go over it. And when they were halfway up, the princess slipped and fell and the glass mountain opened and shut her up inside it. And her betrothed could not see where she had gone for the mountain closed immediately. Then he wept and lamented much. 
and the king was miserable too, and had the mountain broken open where she had been lost, and thought they would be able to get her out again, but they could not find the place into which she had fallen. Meanwhile, the king's daughter had fallen quite deep down into the earth, into a great cave. An old fellow with a very long gray beard came to meet her, and he told her that if she would be his servant and do everything he bade her, she might live. If not, he would kill her. So she did all he bade her. In the mornings, he took his ladder out of his pocket and set it up against the mountain and climbed to the top by its help. And then he drew up the ladder after him. The princess had to cook his dinner, make his bed, and do all his work. And when he came home again, he always brought with him a heap of gold and silver. When she had lived with him for many years and had grown quite old, he called her Mother Mansrot. And she had to call him Old Rinkrank. Then, once when he was out, and she made his bed and washed his dishes, she shut the door and windows all fast, and there was one little window through which the light shone in, and this was left open. When Old Rinkrank came home, he knocked at his door and cried, Mother Mansrot, open the door for me. Now, said she, Oh, Rinkrank, I will not open the door for thee. Then he said, Here stand I, poor Rinkrank, on my seventeen long shanks, on my weary, worn-out foot. Wash my dishes, Mother Man's wrote. I have washed thy dishes already, said she. Then again he said, Here stand I, poor Rinkrank, on my seventeen long shanks, on my weary, worn-out foot, make me my bed, Mother Mandalot. I have made thy bed already, said she. Then again he said, Here stand I, poor Rinkrank, on my seventeen long shanks, on my weary, worn-out foot, Open the door, Mother Mansrot. Then he ran all round his house and saw that the little window was open and thought, I will look in and see what she can be about and why she will not open the door for me. He tried to peep in, but could not get his head through because of his long beard. So he first put his beard through the open window, but just as he had gotten it through, Mother Mansrot came by and pulled the window down with a cord, which she had tied to it, and his beard was shut fast in it. Then he began to cry most piteously, for it hurt him very much, and to entreat her to release him again. But she said not until he gave her the ladder with which she ascended the mountain. Then... Whether he would or not, he had to tell her where the ladder was, and she fastened a very long ribbon to the window, and then she set up the ladder and ascended the mountain, and when she was at the top of it, she opened the window. She went to her father and told him all that had happened to her. The king rejoiced greatly, and her betrothed was still there, and they went out and dug up the mountain 
and found old Rinkrank inside it with all his gold and silver. Then the king had old Rinkrank put to death and took all his gold and silver. The princess married her betrothed and lived right happily in great magnificence and joy. You may be wondering how I know these old stories, but that is a story for another day. The moral of the story is... Let's look at this story through the lens of the innocent persecuted heroine. We have no indication that the princess was anything but innocent. How many of the elements did you find in the story? Remember, the first part is about the heroine's family and her home life. She is often the victim of some dysfunction, and this is no exception. The king designed a difficult task to weed out potential suitors. In the Lang version of Princess on the Glass Hill, the king decides that the princess will not be married. Some writers contend that this king knew the mountain would open and trap her. He perhaps even knew of old Rink-Rank. But there is no evidence of that, and this story makes no such assertion. The psychoanalytical approach to this story portrays a dark tale of a father unwilling to let his daughter go. But we don't need to cast unnecessary aspersions on the king, although it's safe to guess that he might be overly protective. What is this difficult task about? A glass mountain? Is it slick or fragile? In Lang's story, the glass mountain is described in this way. It was a high, high hill of glass, slippery as ice, for the hill was as smooth as the glass window pane and as steep as the side of a house. Marie-Louise von Franz argues that the symbol of the soul is the mountain, which understandably came to stand for the unconscious, since one imagines that their tops are often covered in mist and reach like a transition into heaven. In all these stories, the glass mountain is something difficult or impossible to climb without falling. Sadly, the king's desire to find the best partner for his daughter had an unexpected and unintentional consequence. It was a father's folly, for ultimately the princess must choose her partner for herself. In part two, the heroine meets and acquires a mate and faces obstacles that block their marriage. In this story, the suitor asks for the princess's hand. The king agrees, but only if he can cross the mountain. The princess goes with her suitor to help him in his task. She claims she would hold him up if he were about to fall. There is a partnership here and caring, but instead of crossing the mountain, she slipped and fell. Did she accidentally fall? Was her slip and fall inevitable, or was it carelessness? The story doesn't give us the answers to those questions. What we do know is that a place opened up in the mountain, and the princess fell in, just like the myth about Persephone. As Persephone was picking flowers, the earth opened up, and she was brought to the underworld. Here, the glass mountain opened and shut the princess up inside. She became lost to her betrothed and to her father. 
The third part shows the heroine facing difficulties in her husband's home, where she is the victim of persecution. While we don't see the princess in her intended husband's home, we see her with a husband of sorts, that is, old rink-rank. He acts as her husband in a traditional domestic relationship, with the husband going off to work while the wife stays at home and does domestic chores. Where is his house? We don't know. It's a cave deep under the ice, requiring a ladder to enter and exit. It is an entrance into an other world where time speeds up. Old Rink Rank goes out each day and returns with gold and silver. His wealth is never spent. It is hoarded just like the treasure held by trolls, dwarfs, and dragons. Sadly, we see this type of capture in both real life and in stories. A woman is kidnapped and imprisoned, required to do whatever her captor asks, while her family searches until they think she is dead. It's the same story of Thumbelina and the Mole, Persephone and Hades, and is even found in nursery rhymes. Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater had a wife but couldn't keep her. And so he put her in a pumpkin shell, and there he kept her very well. The princess is given the choice of servitude or death by an odd old fellow with a very long gray beard. She chooses servitude. This is an abusive and controlling relationship. She loses her royal status and becomes rink-ranked servant instead. In many heroine journeys, we see the heroine forced to engage in domestic tasks. Maria Tatar writes, In many cultures, domesticity is the defining competence of real women, and in folktales, even female intelligence is ultimately harnessed to domestic ends. In the heroine journey, we don't expect her to go off on an adventure to slay a dragon. That's not the norm. When faced with Baba Yaga, we see Vasilisa, ask to separate grains of poppy seeds from bits of soil. In Frau Hola, the girl is simply asked to shake out a coverlet into the night sky. In The Handless Maiden, she must save her infant son from drowning. While a heroine's task may seem more ordinary, they require no less courage and cleverness than that shown by the hero. Over time, the relationship moved from domination to familiarity. How much time has passed is uncertain, but the princess is now an old woman. The two have nicknames for each other. She calls him Old Rink Rank, and he calls her Mother Mansroth. Is the name some type of psychological abuse? A punishment, perhaps? Some storytellers believe it is the last straw and what spurs her to take action. I'm not sure that's the case. Neither name is particularly flattering if we look at the translation. Richard Martin believes the name Old Rink Rank means poor old skinny legs, for rank means long and thin, while rink means poorly and weakly. Mother Mansrot is translated as dirty moon face or sooty face, for man means moon and rot means soot. Over time, Mother Mansrot moved from maiden to mother to crone. 
Once she assumes the crone role, she acquires an element of independent agency. She calls him Old Rink Rank. The worst of her experience has already happened, and she is ready to plan her escape. One day, she simply had enough. We might ask why it took her so long, but in this other world, a day above may equal a year below. Time is no longer the same, and it took time for her to grow up. It took time for her to develop agency, to employ the courage and cleverness she had within. And now the story seeks a resolution. It was an ordinary day. She did her chores as she would normally. She locks the door and leaves only a high window open. She waits for old Rink Rank to return. He wants to know why she won't let him in. When he puts his beard in the window, she shuts it and traps him there. She succeeds through her own devices. No prince comes to rescue her. She does it herself. Old Rink Rank cries piteously for help. It is a cry that might have moved a maiden but certainly not a crone. She finds out about the latter, returns home, and tells her father what happened. They find a rink rank below with his gold and silver. Soon he is dead and his gold taken. Does everyone now live happily ever after? Yes, but... The innocent, persecuted heroine stories are thought to depict female development. But it's not the only way to frame these tales. Jones writes, The issue seems now not so much a matter of whether female development is depicted in fairy tales, but how it is depicted. The question is now whether these depictions of female development in fairy tales with female protagonists offer practical and therapeutic advice about dealing with the maturation process, or whether they inculcate sexist and patriarchal values in order to co-opt their female audience members into accepting a second-class status. The answer appears to be that they are doing both. Most women reading this story today are going to leave asking why didn't the princess do something earlier? For it was quite easy to defeat old Rink Rank once she decided to. Perhaps this is a question we should continue to ask any time women are considered or treated as less than a man. Did you catch what happened at the end of the story? The princess returns to the real world as an old woman. This is the only version in which the princess grows old. It's now clear that the cave in the glass mountain is a portal into an other world where time slows down. And are you ready for it? She then marries the prince. The prince we know is young, for the king is still alive. I'd like to say that the princess is some glamorous woman, a Helen Mirren figure of sorts, but I doubt there were any such women in 19th century Germany. She probably looked more like my grandmother, plump, with white hair, hunchback, sparkling eyes, and a knowing smile. In our culture, one of the greatest taboos is for an older woman to take a younger man in marriage. Yet in this story, it is a sign of true love. So instead of the young prince winning the hand of the beautiful princess, the old princess wins the hand of the handsome prince. Perhaps that's the greatest surprise of all.
The wise crone knows it's time for you to leave. Your journey home takes you back through the forest. It may at times be difficult, but no fear. Her final words to you are, Remember to stay on the path. Do not leave the path no matter what you see or experience. And so it was, and so it is. Thank you for listening. This podcast has been sponsored by Heart Symbol Publishing, where you'll find a wide variety of guided imagery downloads to achieve your goals and enhance your life. This is the storyteller, Kathy Shimpak. This podcast is narrated by Linda Bennett. Music is The Snow Queen by Kevin McLeod at Incompetet.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. Stories by the Brother Grimm are in the public domain.